For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome into this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stone, Believe Podcast, the network for professionals. Got a couple things I want to talk about uh, on this week's episode. Up first, it'll be the look at the ACC's 2020 football schedule. We'll break down that a little bit for the Tobacco Road schools, what that looks like, uh, some of the potential hurdles with that as well. Also wanted to do something kind of fun and rank the 10 best uh, tobacco Road alums currently playing in the NBA bubble, so going to have some uh, some fun with that as well. But as we mentioned, the ACC did officially release their football schedule this week for the upcoming season. Of course, they're playing the 10 conference games and the one non-conference game. Uh, first thing that, that really you know, jumped out to me uh, as far as you know how things open up is that two Tobacco Road schools actually uh, open up with the two best teams in the ACC this year. Duke draws Notre Dame on the road, and Wake Forest uh, draws Clemson at uh, at home. Uh, so interesting draws for both of those teams. Obviously, those are really daunting tasks right out of the gate. And a lot of times, I, I know you see this occasionally, and you see it more commonly now where teams do start out with conference games or they start with a really tough opponent. But a lot of times, uh, early in the season, it's kind of get you – typically used for gearing up for conference play because of how important conference games are in terms of trying to win your league when you look at you know but when you look at like Duke having to having to open with Notre Dame and and Clemson or Wake Forest having to open with Clemson there is uh, no warm-up for that obviously you get uh, a week a week more of preparation for a team that you haven't seen yet with the start of the season being pushed back to the week of, uh, of September 12th. But again, you haven't seen them yet. They haven't seen you yet. Um, so tough draws for uh, for those two teams. In particular, you know, we talked uh, last week with David Glenn of uh, ACC Sports about just looking at Wake's schedule in general and how daunting it was. Wake Forest's first three games, they draw Clemson at home, they go to NC State, and they host, they play Notre Dame in Charlotte. Those are the first three games that Wake Forest has to play. And you're talking about three of, if not the three toughest games 
on their schedule. Now, the schedule lightens up a little bit after that. They get a bye week. Then they play Old Dominion. That's their non-conference game. They play the Virginia schools at home back-to-back in Virginia and Virginia Tech. Then they go to Syracuse. They get another bye. They go to UNC, to Duke. They ho- Then it gets tough again at the end. They host Miami and uh, go on the road to uh, to Louisville. So it's definitely a very daunting schedule for Wake Forest, especially when you look at the, the potential where you could be starting the season off uh, in an 0-3 hole. So I think Wake Forest, when you look at the four tobacco road schools, they definitely drew the toughest schedule, and especially the toughest schedule out of the gate. Uh, the league really did them no favors in those uh, those first three games. Um, now, if you if you look at you know the other the other schools in terms of uh, you know like, like Duke and like NC State in terms of you know trying to situate how their schedules start out, it's pretty close between Duke and NC State. NC State they visit Virginia Tech, they host Wake Forest, they get a bye, and then they go to Pitt. So those are their first three games. Um, Tech and Pitt on the road are obviously going to be tough games this year. Those are expected to be improved programs. Um, you would certainly expect NC State to be favored in the Wake Forest game at home. Uh, then they get a three-game stretch where they go to Virginia, host Duke, go to UNC. So that that's not an easy stretch either when you factor in the, the trip to, uh, to UNC. And then after another bye week, They'll get Miami at home. They'll get Florida State at home. Then they close out. This is their easiest three-game stretch, in my opinion. Uh, they'll host Liberty, go to Syracuse, and host Georgia Tech. So it, it does lighten up towards the end for NC State, whereas there is no real, there is no real lightening up of the schedule if you're if you're a Wake Forest, if you're Wake Forest. Uh, but so that that's what it looks like for uh, for NC State. Uh, for for Duke, it, it's tough at the beginning as well. I mean, they they host, they host go to Notre Dame, like we said. Uh, they didn't get Boston College at home. They get a bye, and they get Virginia Tech at home. Tech has uh, been ranked in the preseason eight, in the preseason top 25 of the coaches' poll, so expectations for Virginia Tech to uh, to be better, obviously, as we talked, we heard from both Phil Steele and David Glenn on that uh, that topic. They then go to Syracuse, to, Notre, to NC State. They get an open date. They host Charlotte as their non-conference game. They host UNC. That's gonna be, and then they go to Virginia. Uh, that's probably one of their easier stretches. They then host Wake, go to Georgia Tech, and host Florida State. So uh, it, it's not quite as bad of a schedule for Duke as it is for uh, for Wake Forest, uh, but still not an easy schedule by uh, by any stretch. And when you like we said, we when you look at uh, at NC State's schedule. Theirs is certainly not easy either. It just starts a little easier than uh, than Duke's does, in my opinion. Uh, when you you, know, you go to Virginia Tech, that's kind of going to be a coin flip game, in my opinion, with those two teams. Uh, you host Wake Forest, you expect NC State to be favored there. You go to Pitt, probably another coin flip game. On the road at Virginia, I would expect NC State to be favored in that game. At home against Duke, I would certainly expect them to be favored. Uh, at UNC... Uh, they, they're not going to be favored in that game. Then you get the bye. Then you play Florida. You play Miami and Florida State back to back at home. If you can split those two games, get one of them. Then you get. Then you close out with Liberty, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech. So it lightens up at the end for uh, for NC State when you look at their schedule. And, and it's no question when you look at the four tobacco road schools as far as the opening slate, the first few games. Uh, UNC drew the easiest open because <laughs> they host 
Syracuse, who's not expected to be very good this year. Then their non-conference game. We don't know who they're going to play in the non-conference game yet. Them and Clemson still have to set their uh, their non-conference opponents. Uh, but you would expect it's going to be a game that they can prob- that they will be favored in. Uh, they then get a bye, and then they go to Boston College. So right out the gate, you would expect UNC to start the season 3-0. and uh, that's certain, They certainly look like, of the four tobacco road schools, they certainly look like the team that has the best chance to do that. Then they get a pretty tough three-game stretch when they get into October. They host Virginia Tech, they go to Florida State, and they host NC State. That's a, that's a pretty tough stretch right there in the middle. But the, the good thing for UNC is they've had, they will have had three games to kind of adjust some things, get their feet wet in the season, and get ready for those three tough games. Whereas the other schools we're talking about, Duke, NC State, uh, and Wake Forest, they start off much tougher at the uh, the beginning of their schedule. Uh, after that, they, they go to Virginia, they go to Duke, they host Wake Forest, three games you would expect them to be favored in. Uh, then they get one more open date. Then the season does close out pretty tough. This is probably the toughest stretch they have is they will host Notre Dame and then go to Miami. So it certainly you know gets, gets difficult in the middle and at the end for, uh, for UNC. But as far as how the schedule shakes out to start things out and to you know, also get some experience and, and get some continuity under your, under your belt, it certainly shakes out better for UNC early in the season than it does for, for Duke, NC State, or Wake Forest. Those three teams are going to really have tough starts to the season, and they really have to, if they're going to have good seasons, uh, and try to make a bowl game. If we even have, you know, the bowl season, no announcement's been made on that yet of what's going to be done with the uh, with the bowl season. But yeah, if they're going to try to make a bowl game, those three teams kind of have to get off to uh, to pretty good starts. And I, I think you know when you look at the when you look at Wake Forest schedule, I, I think it's going to be really tough for them to make a bowl game. I really uh, I think they will start that start the season zero and three. Uh, I think that, you know, they beat ODU, I think. Virginia is kind of a coin toss. Uh, they wouldn't be favored against Virginia Tech, at least I don't think. Um, they they probably be favored on the road at Syracuse. Not going to be favored at UNC. At Duke is going to be a coin flip, and then they're not going to be favored against Miami or Louisville, I don't think either. So really a, a tough schedule for, uh, for Wake Forest, and really I think going to be a tough chance, tough time for them trying to make a bowl game this season. I think uh, when you look at uh, at NC State, UNC, NC State and UNC, I would feel pretty good, uh, especially UNC. I feel like that it would be shocking if they didn't win at least eight games uh, looking at their schedule. I would say anything under eight games would be a disappointment. And I, I think NC State's probably a bowl team uh, as well. I would say it you know, shakes out pretty well for them to potentially win six to seven games. Uh, Duke is always a wild card <laughs> with, uh, with Coach Cutcliffe there, but I, I just looking at the schedule and and what Duke we don't know what Duke has at quarterback so it's really tough to say and and like I was saying with David Glenn last week it's it's the years that you expect Duke to be down that coach Cutcliffe tends to outperform and surprise people the most so I'm not going to completely discount Duke and say that there's no chance that they're going to make a bowl game I will say though that they're their schedule it, it definitely shakes out uh, to be a really tough schedule for them this uh, this season as well. 
Uh, and, and then the other thing, like I said, I wanted to talk about uh, with the uh, with the NBA bubble going on right now, which has been really fun, in my opinion. It, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's been a ton of scoring in a lot of these games because these guys are playing on the same same rims basically every day. There's a lot of familiarity um, with the with the court, and I think that's uh, that's helped with the offense and helped with the uh, the entertainment value in the NBA bubble. Uh, so I, I wanted to rank the top 10 Tobacco Road alums that are currently playing in the NBA bubble. And, and just for context, just to give, just to tell you, you know, how many, how many of them there are playing in the bubble, uh, there are currently 29 players from Duke, UNC, Wake, and NC State playing in the NBA bubble. You have 16 from Duke, 9 from UNC, 3 from Wake Forest, and 1 from, uh, from NC State. So those would be the uh, the guys that are currently playing in the NBA bubble. You could make up uh, about two and a half teams <laughs> with the guys that are playing in the NBA bubble. So it certainly speaks to the uh, the tradition and the uh, the talent that has come out of Tobacco Road over the uh, over the years. But just to uh, to start things off, we'll go from ten uh, to one, and, and it was kind of it got a little tough towards the end. But uh, at 10, I give the nod to uh, to Harrison Barnes, of course, out of UNC, playing for the Kings. He, he struggled uh, in the bubble, but he's had a pretty good season. Um, you know, he's averaged, I think, around 15 points per game. He's been pretty solid for the Kings. He struggled a little bit in the uh, in the bubble, and the Kings have kind of struggled as well. And that you know, that's to be expected. They're one of the you know last teams that got into the bubble, didn't really have much of a chance of trying to get into one of those uh, play-in games. Uh, but he, he was who I put at number 10 from a talent standpoint, and it was kind of a, a big drop-off after him. I considered Danny Green here as well, but Danny Green has really not played well in the bubble. His shot just is not falling right now for whatever reason. That's something that the Lakers uh, really need to, uh, to come alive for them down the, uh, down the stretch once as they head towards the postseason, but his shot just not going in right now. So I went with, uh, with Harrison Barnes, even though he has been struggling so far in the NBA bubble. At number nine, I went with a Wake Forest alum, Ish Smith, who's currently playing for the uh, for the Wizards, uh, averaging around 12, 13 points a game so far in the uh, in the bubble. So he's played uh, he's played pretty well. Ish Smith's a guy that uh, <laughs> he gets forgotten about a lot because he just hasn't played on many good teams, but he's a guy that uh, that has been in the NBA for a long time, and people forget about it. I I, I did not remember you know, how long he had been playing in the, uh, in the NBA until I went and looked the, looked his, uh, his numbers up for the NBA bubble and just kind of had forgotten, you know, how long he's actually played, uh, in the NBA. I mean, he's been a journeyman. He's played a lot of places, but he has been, uh, productive pretty much anywhere, everywhere that he's, uh, he's played. So, uh, Ish Smith having a, a nice impact for the, uh, for the Wizards in the NBA bubble, as I, as I mentioned, because uh, obviously John Wall being out, so they don't uh, they don't have him. Uh, so he has you know kind of stepped up and tried to uh, to fill that void. Uh, the Wizards haven't been they've been competitive in the bubble. They haven't had a ton of success as far as uh, winning games, uh, but he has been a big part of why they've uh, been able to uh, to be competitive to uh, to this point. Uh, moving over to uh, to number eight, uh, this is where I brought in Cameron Johnson from uh, from UNC. He was having a, a pretty nice, solid rookie campaign that has kind of gone uh, a little under the radar uh, so far this year, playing out in Phoenix, playing on the East Coast. I mean, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, those guys get a lot of the hype out there. 
Uh, but Johnson averaging about eight and a half points per game this season. Uh, and in the bubble, he's averaged 13 points per game so far and has uh, shot the ball uh, pretty well. Also, uh, you look at the three games he's played, he's shot 62.5%, 54.5%, and then had a 30% outing uh, the last time, but has shot the ball pretty well so far in the uh, in the bubble. Uh, has also you know done a nice job on the uh, on the glass uh, for this uh, for this team as well. Uh, you know I think averaging uh, about seven rebounds per game so far uh, since the uh, the bubble's gotten underway. So uh, Cam Johnson really making a nice uh, nice impact for a Suns team that by the way is also four and zero in the bubble, which not a lot of people saw coming. So give that young team some credit making some waves and uh, a UNC alum certainly helping to uh, to contribute uh, to this point so far for the uh, for the uh, the Phoenix Suns uh, moving on to uh, to number seven it's uh, old faithful if you're a Duke Blue Devil guy and that's uh, JJ Redick uh, JJ has been he just he's just solid man I mean he just does he just does his job you know year after year you you couldn't you cannot ask for more uh, than what JJ Redick has done and you want to talk about a guy that has just you know, worked his butt off uh, trying to make it in the NBA. You know, he got, he didn't, it wasn't overnight success for J.J. Redick when he got into the league. I mean, he had to kind of reinvent himself, figure some things out and put in the work. Uh, and it has, it has blossomed. It has rewarded him with a nice long career. Uh, and him and the Pelicans, I know they haven't played that great in the bubble, but that doesn't mean that uh, that Redick has not played well uh, so far since uh, since the bubble got underway. Redick's three outings, he scored 21, 11, and 16, so averaging about 16 points per game. Uh, and you know, as far as shooting the ball from uh, from three point range, so far he has uh, shot eight of 19, so shooting at over 40 percent from uh, from three. So he has had a, a really nice impact on a very young. Uh, Pelicans team to uh, to this point in the season. Moving on to uh, to number six, another Duke Blue Devil, and you're going to see uh, quite a bit more of these as we uh, we move forward. So sorry if you're uh, if you if you're a Duke hater, this is not the uh, the list for you. But this is a guy that I hadn't paid much attention to um, until the bubble started. Admittedly, I, I he had kind of gotten lost in the shuffle um, the year he came out of uh, of college. Uh, didn't get drafted very high. You know, ended up going in the uh, the second round. But man, every time I turn on uh, the TV to watch the NBA bubble, he is making huge shots for the uh, for the Portland Trailblazers, and that's uh, that's Gary Trent Jr. Uh, so I have him at uh, at number six. Uh, since things got uh, got back going for the in the uh, the NBA, Gary Trent Jr. is averaging. So he's 17, 21, and 16. Those are his uh, his three outings so far. So he's averaging about 18 points per game to this point. He has shot uh, really well from three-point range. In three games, he has hit 15 threes uh, on, on, on 25 attempts. So he, he is shooting the three ball uh, extremely well to, uh, to this point. Uh, he has found a nice home and a nice spot in the rotation with the uh, with the Blazers. Uh, and it's really just like I said, he's just hit a ton of big shots to uh, to this point. So that's why I ended up putting Gary Trent Jr. so high on this uh, on this list. And uh, I was shocked I, I, when I went in to do this. I did not uh, would not have expected to uh, to put him that high. But like I said, he just kind of won me over and really impressed me 
over these uh, these three games so far in the uh, in the NBA bubble. So very impressed with uh, with Gary Trenton Jr. so far. Uh, number five is where I ended up slotting Zion Williamson. I had him about you know I, I've been kind of working on these rankings all week, and I had him at seven going in going into last night. Uh, and last night when I when I say is the the night where he put up uh, he had twenty three points. He was uh, I believe he ended up being nine of twenty one from the field. Uh, he got off to a uh, terrific start from the field in that game, then kind of cooled off as things went along, but uh, really had a nice game yesterday. He, I mean, he's been dealing with a minutes restriction, which is not up to him. That's that's not his doing. Uh, you know, the three games we've seen him play in the bubble so far, he has played uh, 15 minutes, 14 minutes, and 25 minutes, so has not played a ton of minutes to this point, but he has put up uh, nice numbers in those games. We've seen him score 13, 7, and, uh, and 23 uh, in those three games so far. So uh, he's been impressive. I, even though I, I know there's been people out there that have been hating on him, why is he, you know, why is he out of shape, all, all this? Yeah, I, you know, the guy's a rookie. Um, he hadn't played, he wasn't, he hadn't necessarily gotten in great basketball shape yet before, uh, before the, uh, the shutdown, obviously. And then you go through a shutdown in your rookie season, I, I'm just not that shocked that he's not in uh, in great in great shape at uh, at this point in terms of uh, basketball conditioning. I, I, I firmly believe as long as Zion Williamson stays healthy, that he's going to be fine. I think people are maybe being overly critical, and I, I get why. I mean, the guy has been um, you know he has been one of the more sought after guys and, and one of the more talked about guys that we've seen uh, so far as far as you know talent and just coming out with the amount of hype that he came out with but I think if we're we're being fair uh, Zion has been pretty impressive to uh, to this point and I, I also forgot to mention that they had played uh, a game earlier today where they took on the Sacramento Kings uh, and they <laughs> both teams really just uh, lit up the uh, the scoreboard in that one not a ton of, uh, of defense uh, that's the Pelicans biggest weakness is the fact that they give up they give up way too many points as they lost that game. 140 to uh, to 125, but Zion was actually you know really impressive in uh, in this game as well as he uh, he put up some big numbers. Uh, really, really, you know, I think probably had his most efficient game to uh, to this point in terms of uh, his productivity. Uh, he was 10 of 12 from the field in 22 minutes and had 24 points. So I mean, in, in four games, you've seen him score 24, 22, 13, and seven. He he's been. He's been solid. I mean, I, I think that he has, he has, I, I wouldn't say necessarily lived up to the hype because of the amount of hype that he had coming out, but uh, you got to give, give credit where it's due. And he has, he has, uh, he has played pretty well for this Pelicans team. Now, whether they should be having him on a minutes restriction or not is another completely different conversation. Uh, but, you know, four games, he's scored 66 points. So, I mean, he's averaging over 16 points per game in limited minutes so far in the bubble. There, there just aren't but so many guys that can uh, can do that. Uh, moving on to uh, to number four, another Duke guy who is also on the Pelicans. Kind of a theme there. Uh, Brandon Ingram. Ingram has been uh, he, probably a guy that you know, deserves a lot of conversation as far as the most improved player in the league. And I know he's been discussed in that. He was an all-star. Uh, since the bubble has come back, he's been averaging – 
around 20 points per game, a little over 20 points per game. He is uh, certainly, besides J.J. Redick, probably the leader on that uh, that Pelicans team and has, had, has really just had a nice bounce-back season. He deserves a lot of credit as well, kind of similar to J.J. Redick uh, in terms of the amount of hype that was around Brandon Ingram. He ends up getting a change of scenery. He puts in a lot of work kind of behind the scenes uh, and has really turned himself into an all-star Whereas we see a lot of guys where when they don't deliver on the hype right away, they just kind of end up fading out. That hasn't happened with Brandon Ingram, and I think he deserves uh, a lot of credit for that. At number three, another Duke Blue Devil, it is Jason Tatum sitting at uh, at number three. Uh, a little over 20 points per game so far in the bubble. You could go back and forth with him and Brandon Ingram on who's been better. I had a tough time uh, deciding really who I was going to put there. Uh, I think this just kind of went to the fact that Tatum – is on a better team, um, I think, has just maybe has the, a little more of the it factor than Brandon Ingram does. So that's why I ended up going with uh, with Jason Tatum. They have very similar numbers. Uh, Tatum has struggled shooting it a little bit in the NBA bubble, but I think that's something that will uh, will correct itself. Uh, and that's why I ended up putting him at, uh, at number three. At number two, <laughs> this is where things get kind of interesting. I want this to be clear. This is based on their play in the bubble, if you haven't gotten that hint. This is based on the play in the bubble so far. This is not about uh, who the best player is overall per se or best career or anything uh, like that. This is about who is the best player, uh, who has been the best player in the uh, the NBA bubble out of off Tobacco Road so far. So at number two, I have Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul deserves a lot more consideration for MVP because of what he's done in Oklahoma City. That was a situation where nobody thought Chris Paul wanted to be there. And I think it's been, he probably doesn't uh, necessarily, but he has made the most of that situation. He has the Thunder as a playoff contender. A, A lot of NBA experts really like this Thunder team and think they can make some noise in the postseason, and you know, the, a big part of the reason why is because Chris Paul was on that team, and Chris Paul has done an excellent job leading them. Uh, you know, and look at the, just the impact he's had on young guys like Shea Gilgis, uh, Alexander. Uh, I think Chris Paul really deserves, like I said, I, I really think he deserves some conversation for the uh, for the MVP and a little more consideration than he's uh, he's gotten to uh, to this point. But I have him at number two. And at number one, who would have thought going into the NBA bubble, I, I would have thought this guy, if I was doing a top 10 before the bubble, I would have probably had him close to 10, 7 or 8, maybe something like that. But TJ Warren has been an absolute bucket in the NBA bubble, averaging just under 40 points per game. He has shot it extremely well from the field. He has taken a Pacers team. That you know, Victor Oladipo is playing. Uh, there weren't a lot of expectations for this Pacer team going into the bubble because the expectation at first was that Oladipo, Victor Oladipo was not going to play. He hasn't really looked like himself per se, uh, but T.J. Warren has taken over as the offensive leader, and he has just been absolutely fantastic for the uh, for the Indiana Pacers. I mean, he has really just kind of put that team on his back offensively. They also don't have. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis as well. So Warren has uh, has really just taken over and played well. Uh, he's a guy that I you know I really liked him coming out of NC State. 
He just didn't really have the three-point shot in his arsenal yet. He he still is incredible with floaters. He's really good at the mid-range. He plays with uh, with really good pace, in my opinion. And he's also really good off the ball. Like he he is really good at finding places and uh, and spaces to uh, to be successful on the floor. He he's just he's a guy that understands basketball and a guy that really understands how to score the ball. Uh, but when you look at him, like I said, he he did not have did not really have the three-point shot in his arsenal uh, when he came out of, uh, of NC State. In fact, you know, he didn't, he hardly shot threes early in his uh, his NBA career. Uh, but because this has become such a three-point driven league, I mean, in the, in the bubble to, uh, to this point, he has hit 14 threes on 23 attempts. So I mean, he he has shot the ball uh, extremely well from uh, from three point range, uh, and not just you know in the bubble. I mean, he he shot it pretty well from three point range this season. He's up to up uh, to forty percent for his uh, for the season on from uh, from three point range. So he's he's a guy that has really you know put in work since he got to the NBA and has really just worked hard to uh, to improve his craft. And, and good to see him uh, reap the uh, the benefits. And I know. Uh, you know, Wolfpack Nation has to be uh, extremely proud and love what they're seeing out of uh, T.J. Warren. So, <laughs> only he's the only. By the way, he's the only NC State guy playing in the bubble. Uh, but we have him at number one based on his performance in the NBA bubble so far. So, uh, funny how that uh, that works out. But he's been uh, terrific so far. So again, uh, that uh, that top ten we had Harrison Barnes at ten, Ish Smith at nine, uh, Cam Johnson at eight. At seven, it was J.J. Redick. Six, it was Gary Trent Jr. Five was Zion. Four was Brandon Ingram. Three was Jason Tatum. Two was Chris Paul. And one, uh, T.J. Warren. That's our uh, our top ten tobacco road players in the NBA bubble based on their performance so far. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. We'll have another episode coming your way next week, one that NC State fans will definitely want to hear, especially along with uh, the rest of the Tobacco Road fans uh, as well. As always, you can download the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast anywhere you get podcasts, especially Apple and Spotify. Thank you for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.